Hi, I'm Tess Vigland, and as we work, we're figuring out what to do when we stop working. I want to go fishing. I want to maybe volunteer doing something, you know, keep me occupied. It's not like when you were a kid and you want to go out and play and hang out with your friends and you can just ring a doorbell and go and do it. Uh, you have to be prepared to have things to keep your life enriched and keep you busy. The only thought I've given to retirement is really how many more years do I need to work to support my family? I only think about it in terms of money. This is As We Work from The Wall Street Journal, a show about the changing workplace and everything you need to know to navigate it. That was Carlos Gonzalez, David Owens, and Gail Horowitz. We spoke with them on the streets of New York City. We've spent the last few episodes outlining the big steps in your career journey. But what does the end of your career look like? Lots of time with family, getting into your next hobby, traveling the world. Retirement means a lot of different things to different people. But regardless of vision, it does usually mean the end of a career. Have you thought about that? I mean, really thought about how the end of your work life will affect your psyche and your identity? If you haven't started thinking about that, it's time to start. And we're going to talk about why. That's coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is a truism of life that things never turn out the way you think they will or should. For all the planning, thinking, estimating, and predicting we do, it's rare that everything just falls into place exactly how you'd imagined. Just talk with anyone who's recently retired. Now, from that first job, we're told to save up, pack money away, protect ourselves financially. But we're not taught how to prepare ourselves emotionally for things like the loss of our work identities. And if we don't have anything else to fall back on, we can start wondering who we are without our careers. So how can you better prepare for what's awaiting your emotional and psychological bank account at the end of your career? We have two guests today who've been through it, in fact, are currently in it, and they have some ideas for how to get ready for this final career decision. Dr. David Eckert is a former professor of psychology and gerontology at the University of Kansas. He studied retirement until deciding to do it himself at the age of 70 and was wrapping up a final semester of teaching in the spring of 2020, just as the pandemic was forcing us all into lockdown. Dr. Sherry Mendelson is a retired psychiatrist. She left her career in 2015 at the age of 64, figured she'd play a lot of tennis and spend time with her nine grandchildren. She's done that and more, while also figuring out just who she is now. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so let me ask you kind of this question of what your expectation was when when you retired, what what you thought it was going to look like. And then I want to hear what the reality has been and, and what the difference is between the two. Sherry? 
So I had thought that I would um, do some kind of psychiatric volunteer work. I guess I always keep that in the back of my mind if I miss it too much that I will, but I haven't yet. And Mm. one of the things that was difficult was I started taking these writing lessons and when I started learning about creative writing, it was really hard. It took me a long time. And I remember like at one point telling my husband, you know, I'm not really good at anything now. You know, I was an expert psychiatrist. I was an expert witness. And here I am, you know, a beginning writer and an okay tennis player, but not great. You know, I'm not headed (laughs) anywhere. And so that was kind of hard. Yeah, no, I think that that makes absolute sense for, mm-hmm. for any of us at any age, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, David, how about you? I, I mean, you, you've you been studying retirement, literally. So I'm curious what you thought yours was going to look like. And I know the pandemic is like this weird <laughs> additive yeah. uh, aspect for you, but kind of what has been different from what you thought it was going to be? Well, I, I thought I had an accurate expectations of retirement. I knew about the importance of having a daily routine and a schedule. And I knew that there would be some adaptation now in living full-time with my wife. Mm -hmm. Um, All of these things that that happen to retirees. What I really was delighted to find is that how good it feels to let up on yourself. To have had a career, you had to be paying attention to things and reading things and knowing things. And you put pressure on yourself. The plate was always full one and a half times over. Mm-hmm. Um, and to let, be able to let up on yourself was so, so relaxing. But at the same time, my habits of time management have persisted. And so I'm continually wondering, am I using my time well? Hmm. Am I being productive enough? I have two angels that sit on each shoulder. One says, relax, kick back. (laughs) The other one says, shouldn't you be doing something right now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The other thing is that retirement has made me feel, I'm 72 years old now, made me feel self-conscious of being older. What do you mean? Well, I go into a place and I say, am I the oldest one here or (laughs) am (laughs) I the youngest one here? And I didn't have this self-consciousness while I was working because I was among the army of the employed. And now I'm not. But I have to tell you, I am the only retiree in America who does not play Wordle. And <laughs> You're missing a lot. <laughs> I thought I was the only one who didn't. <laughs> or a pickleball. Yeah, pickleball is a big <laughs> one. <laughs> well, I know what you mean about the um, kind of, am I doing enough or should I relax a little bit more? Because I think for me, it's taken a, a long time to sort of figure that out. And um, I know I have like some tennis friends and they're like, they retire and they start playing every day. And all of a sudden they're saying, this is like a job, you know, I have to back off. So I think that's kind of true with anything you do. And you're in charge of your own schedule, which is like, if it's not working, then, you know, you need to switch it around. And I think that takes, it just takes some time to figure out what to do. And I think the other issue is, um, forming a new identity, you know, a non-work identity. And some people have an easier time with that if they do a lot of outside things, and some people have a harder time. I know in my practice when I've seen patients, you know, the ones that have done a variety of things have an easier time adjusting post-retirement because they have some things they've already been doing. 
let's talk about why those visions end up for a lot of people being so wrong. It, and it seems especially vexing because we think about retirement for years, right? Maybe in an abstract way, a way that's mostly about money, but but we do think about it. So what are the main things that we are not thinking about that kind of become a surprise when you finally get to that point where you've retired? Sherry? Well, I think there's some idealization of it in a way, like you go, oh, I'm going to travel, I'm going to do this and that. And I have a couple of my grandkids in the area. And I think, oh, I'll spend more time with them, which I have. But I was in the market with my granddaughter once, and um, all of a sudden I thought, we better get out of here. It's time to go. And then I thought, well, wait, I don't have anywhere to go. I'm supposed to just (laughs) be with her in the market, you know? And so I think that slowing down took some time and, and some energy. And I think when you have the idealized vision, you don't really think about the realities of things. Yeah. And I don't think I would have known until after I had some trial and errors with it. David, do you think that's that's just what people should expect as trial and error? Or are there things that we mm-hmm. could be thinking about that, that were not, that cause us to have these surprises? Well, I want to agree with Sherry about the idealization of retirement leisure. I, I think this is so oversold. Mm. But it's oversold, I think, because people need a goal for their saving. And I did a study examining advertisements for financial planning, and they had people on beaches and they had people looking at castles. And this was all this, this idealization of all this time and the self-development and things that you'll have for yourself. And when you get there, you can't be doing those things all the time. The house still needs taking care of and so on and so forth. That's something of a letdown. And it sounds like, you know, for for a lot of people, that's probably driven externally by things like those ads that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Well, the other thing is, if you're a person of purpose, and if you get to the point where you can actually retire, you've probably worked hard to get there. You don't all of a sudden be somebody who just goes from vacation to vacation. It's not like you become a completely different soul, (laughs) So I think it's important for people to start thinking about those kinds of things before they retire, you know, maybe a couple of years before so they can have some sort of a plan. And I think you don't really know until you get there the value of what you've done in a sense or what's really important to you. But, you know, it's a a big issue. I think the identity issue is probably um, the major emotional issue. David, I know that your research has covered several generations of retirees. How does this loss of work identity uh, differ from previous generations versus, say, the boomers who are retiring now, the Gen Xers who are, who are quickly coming up behind them? People are putting together work careers with many more jobs nowadays than was possible in the past. Those long-time career jobs like my father had, he went to work for utility, he walked in the door one day and he walked out the door 30 years later in retirement. Now people are yeah. stringing jobs together and they might have, have a harder time you know, finding an identity if, if it's different lines of work one after the other. And that seems more, more common. On the other hand, mm-hmm. I think people who have had professions can always identify with those professions The question is, I think, do you want the first thing to people to know about is that I was a nurse, I was a lawyer, I was a salesman, or do you want to try to become something else? Well, and like for somebody like me, I went straight through 
college and medical school and residency. And then I started a practice, you know, it was like each step had a definition and, you know, this is what you do. These are the goals. And then comes retirement and it's like, okay, so what am I going to make out of it? There's another idea governing retirement. People are expected to be active, to be engaged, to be doing things. We reserve praise for people who are out there, people who are on the go. You know, my wife and I have this cue with each other when we talk to a retired couple and they start telling us about what they're doing. And we, we, you just have to wait for it. It comes up within the first two minutes. They say, well, we're really busy. I'm so busy now. (laughs) I don't know how I found the time to work. And they say, everyone says this. And I think that also puts a pressure on people who are retired. They feel as though they have to be presenting themselves in this way. And they really don't. Stay with us. David and Sherry will be back in a moment with some practical advice for all you future retirees, whether that's happening in five years or 25. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Let's get to some practicalities now. Uh, David, you've studied retirement. Sherry, you've worked with people uh, going through that process. Now you're both retired. What do you wish you knew before you retired that you know now? David? I wish I knew how far away I am today from the person that looked forward to retirement a year out or six years out. I have a different consciousness of myself. I have a different understanding of myself. I probably, I've already mentioned that I'm somewhat aware of my age and my mortality. Mm -hmm. And I also had not realized that I would be cultivating an admiration for the generations that are coming up. The, The play King Lear starts with King Lear wanting to retire. And he said, know that we have divided in three our kingdom and tis our fast intent to shake all cares and business from our age, conferring them on younger strengths while we, unburdened, crawl toward death. All right. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I do feel as though the future is in the hands of younger strengths. And I had not paid much attention to rooting for them, but I am now. Well, I think something that you said about um, recognizing mortality is something that I hadn't really thought about before I retired. But I think when I gave up that career, I, too, was much more aware of my own mortality, and that was kind of a surprise to me. I didn't think about it that way until I was no longer a psychiatrist and I was an older person. But I think it's important to recognize your mortality because then you look at the world a little bit different. You look about, look at the future generations. I think about my kids, and 
I'm realizing they're good kids. They're good citizens. You know, how did they grow up to be who they are when I wasn't really looking or something? So I think, you know, there's just some recognition of not, I'm not going to be here all of the time. And what's it going to be like when I'm gone? And so I think that was something I just didn't really think about before I left my work. Then what would you each say are are some keys to a happy retirement? Um, If you, you know, could speak with all of the retirees who are coming up behind you, <laughs> what, what would you encourage them to think about to actually do? David? Well, the secret of happiness at any age, and this is, again, from surveys, it's health and wealth and social support. And yes, hope that your finances are sufficient and that you don't lie awake at night worrying about your financial security. But the more important things are taking care of your health, and finally, taking care of your relationships. There's so many people on my Christmas list, I get a card from them or a note to them once a year. Why don't I go go see some of those people? I can do that now. I don't have (laughs) to see the the great castles on the Rhine. I can go see my friends that I I loved and I cherished, catch up with them. I think that's that's a wonderful project for retirement is touching base with all those people again and remembering what they mean to you. I love that. So it's not just Christmas cards. Yeah. Sherry? Well, I think the identity issue, finding a new identity, and I think that that can be done before you leave your work. And then the sense of purpose is important because, yeah, you can go on these vacations, but then you come back. And so what are you going to do next? What's going to be meaningful Um, And a sense of community, uh, like David said, that's really important because it's one of the factors that is connected with uh, healthy outcomes in retirement is having a sense of community, social support. And so that kind of makes up for the community that you lose when you leave your work setting. There's so much um, reward for work in our culture, and I think there's not as much reward for some of these other uh, qualities in people. Mm. And I think Mm -hmm. it would be good for our country um, to invest in those kinds of values. Um, But even if the country doesn't, I think it's important for individuals to have those kind of outlets to their life. So yeah, I'm all for that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well... Uh, let's say that you haven't been doing this. You haven't been really thinking about your retirement, what your retirement was going to look like. Uh, you haven't been building those lifelong practices. Uh, so then how do you adapt to retirement to have a smooth and easy transition? Um, David, I'm going to direct that to you since you have gone through this most recently, even though, again, it was in a very weird point in time with the pandemic. Um, but If you haven't done that thinking ahead, how do you smooth that out for yourself? I don't hardly think that that you can walk up to retirement without having preparation. And I say say it for this reason, Tess, is that people will be continually asking you, are you looking forward to it? Um, What are you (laughs) going to do? Are you going to get started on a a new hobby? Are you going to go back to that Uh, that place where you volunteered? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? You're going to be a constant focus among your friends for what you're going to do. (laughs) So you can't (laughs) escape it. (laughs) Unless you were were suddenly um, separated from your work, you you are going to be primed and prepared. And then you're going to come up 
with things to say. And when you come up with things to say, then people may hold you to that. You said you were going to you know, volunteer at the, <laughs> at the schools, and now you're not. I, I, I really don't think you can go in as naive uh, as naive. We prepare one another for this. What about the idea of kind of going into it more slowly, uh, where maybe you go down to part-time for five years, 10 years, and then you slowly transition into that idea of, of not working at all? There are so many paths between full-time work and full-time exit from the labor force. So many different ways to do it. You can re-employ yourself. You can go partial. Now there's more service jobs than ever before. And those are jobs that older people can do if they would like to keep their hand in or earn a little money on the side. We used to say that retirement was a crisp transition. I mentioned my father. He walked out the door one day and then he was retired. Um, it's not that crisp anymore for people. It, it can be rather blurred and you perhaps don't even know yourself whether you're exactly retired or not. And I think it's good to remember, like, it's a transition, just like any other life transitions. Um, yeah. So that, you know, there's going to be bumps in the road. It's not going to be all smooth. And I think once you're older, you recognize, oh, yeah, this is how I felt when I transitioned here and there. I didn't know what my future was going to be exactly. And I think that that's important to know and to be patient with oneself. All right. So you are both retired from highly successful careers. I want to know, what is your favorite part about retirement? I like sometimes waking up and not exactly knowing what day it is. <laughs> I think, that, I mean, I never was like that before. Yeah. I was like, wait, is this the weekend or the week? What am I doing Why today? do you like that? Well, I just like the feeling of um, not having to do something. I mean, I have commitments and all, but mm -hmm. it's just different. Like, uh-oh, I got to be in the office by eight. I have patients, blah, 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 blah. And so there was a pretty distinct change between the weekend and the week. And now it's just kind of nice. There's a more of a freedom or a flowing quality to it. I agree with Sherry. It's this lack of urgency, which was part of one's work life. And I see it expressed in these. I'm still on the feed from my uh, former place of employment. I'm getting these messages about this is this and we're changing this and you have to know this. And I just sit there on my phone and I swipe them away and I swipe them away and I swipe <laughs> them away. I go, yeah, mm -hmm, sure. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. The lack of urgency, I think it's good for our mental health. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Sounds pretty good to me. I would like to be swiping just like you someday. <laughs> well, David Eckert and Sherry Mendelson, thank you both so much for sharing your stories with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Now, David and Sherry are proof that the definition of retirement is changing. And we can see part of that change in the fact that some people are retiring and then deciding, whoops, nope, never mind, take back the watch. We'll have advice for how to navigate unretirement in a moment. High inflation has impacted many of us. But what happens when prices go up 55, 67, or even 276%? It makes living more costly. It eats into your paycheck. At the end of the day, the salary itself, it's not enough. 
and money quickly loses value. You can't save, you can't do anything. Check out our complete series on extreme world inflation from A to Z, from What's News, plus other exclusive content on WSJ Special Access, only for WSJ subscribers. And finally today, our pro tip, retirement usually marks the end of a person's career, but these days, that's not necessarily true. There's another step on the career arc that's becoming more and more prevalent as we live longer and as we decide, hey, maybe I don't want to stop working after all. Catherine Dill of our Life and Work team is here to talk about the new post-retirement career step that many are taking these days, unretirement. Welcome back. My pleasure. So I think it's safe to say uh, the most famous recent retirement announcement was Tom Brady leaving the NFL, uh, only to then very quickly unretire. <laughs> and apparently he's not the only one. No, it's a trend with a famous face, but that lots of people have joined. We saw in February the share of retired workers re-entering the workforce actually climbed to around 3% of total retirees, which is the highest it's been since the pandemic began. Why did so many people retire during the pandemic earlier than they'd planned? There's a number of reasons. We see people who uh, had what we call involuntary retirement, so they may have been approaching retirement age, not yet ready to retire, and they were laid off. There were other people who felt that their work had become dangerous to them uh, because of COVID. And then there are also people captured in this who may have been laid off or lost their jobs in other ways and, and looked for jobs for a long time and didn't find them and over time became discouraged and started to self-report as retired people, though they'd be willing to rejoin the workforce if an opportunity presented itself. All right. So what reasons are these very short-term retirees now giving for wanting to get back in the game? Many of the people I spoke with, it was just that. They they missed, they didn't like being out of the game. They yeah. felt like they were on the sidelines and the labor market is so hot right now. And, you know, they were they were getting offers to come do things that seemed really exciting. One of the women I spoke with said, you know, she had the opportunity to rejoin the workforce at the highest salary she had been earning previously. Wow. And take on an exciting new project with a finite time horizon. But there are other people who maybe anticipated their money going a little bit further than it it looks like it's going to with inflation and you know a recent right. stock market route. So there were you know there are a variety of of things that that brought people back. But it's really you know it's that hot job market and um, your money looking looking a little bit more scant than it may have a few months ago. So then, what's the best way to kind of start thinking about going back to work. Uh, I, I suppose it probably depends on how long you've been out. Three months is, is different from two years. But what's some advice for getting back on the horse? You know, some of the advice is, is similar to any type of job hunt. You want to talk to a lot of people. You really want to be focusing on networking versus applying. That's usually the more successful way that people find jobs. But you also really want to think about what it is you're looking to achieve. One of the men I spoke with retired a little bit early and then decided that actually he wanted to be able to maintain the lifestyle he and his wife had had before he retired. He found that talking to people broadly, but also be re being really clear on what he wanted, which is to return to the workforce for about five to seven years, was really important. And he said it, it helped him feel more positive about leaving retirement where he had been very happy because he said he wants to do good work and he wants to contribute, but he's not as worried about advancing, which takes away a little bit of the stress of working. 
All right. Well, Catherine Dill, uh, I will not be retiring anytime soon. I I suspect you won't either, but (laughs) thanks for helping us out. Of course. We've been asking you for the last few weeks to send us your questions about careers and the future of work, and you delivered. There's a lot on your minds about everything from salaries to a possible economic slowdown to the future of remote work. So next week, we'll be joined by two members of our life and work team who've been covering the ins and outs of how the workplace is changing and how that affects us as employees and employers. They'll bring us the latest news and answer your questions. Before we go, we've also asked you all for your best piece of career advice. Here's one from Solomar Quinones from Asheville, North Carolina. So the most important lesson that I've learned over the course of my career is to pursue things outside of my job, do things that bring me joy, whether that is going outside for a walk with my dog and just watching the birds or exercising or reading poetry. Not everything is about our careers. We're so much more. And a reminder that we really do want to hear from you. Tell us your stories about work and careers. You can email us at aswework at wsj.com or leave us a voicemail at 212-416-2394. Any messages you do leave may be used in the podcast. As We Work is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Charlotte Gartenberg is our producer. Amanda Llewellyn is our development producer. Scott Salloway is a glass of lemonade on the first hot day of summer and also our supervising producer. Jessica Fenton is our sound engineer. Our music was composed by Hansdale Sue. Kateri Yoakum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. I'm Tess Vigland. See you next time. <laughs>